tell you what you're listening to welcome to father simon says on relevant radio with father richard simon i'm here to answer your questions have a question give us a call 1-888-914-9149 that's any question you may have about the lord the faith and the church that's 1-888-914-9149 this is in fact a radio show called father simon says on relevant radio Well, hello, hello, here we are, and I'm looking out, and there's, I don't see any, any heavy equipment out my window, so I think we'll be fine today with the show. So let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan, and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, all right, let's go to the big book on the coffee table. This reading uh, from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans the 6th chapter, the 23rd verse, uh, has that famous line, for the wages of sin is death. Uh, well, I heard someone once say, if you take out for taxes and inflation, it's really just a tired feeling. I think that's funny. I'm sorry. All right, let's move along. <laughs> okay, was that live, dear voice in my head? <clears throat> I don't know. He went, but I'm bumped. Uh, it's going to be one of those days. All right. Um, again, I don't know why they do this, brothers and sisters. That isn't in the text. Why must they throw that in? It's like it, it makes, it cuts the Bible into little snippets. And the Bible is not a bunch of snippets. That's why you got to read the whole thing. Um, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. And, uh, so you got to read the whole schmear. But I'm, again, that just is a minor peeve. But one of my pet peeves, I wonder what a peeve really is. All right, moving along. I explained the past couple days about a t the Talmudic sort of way of thinking, that you milk every word for its meaning. And uh, um, uh, maybe most people, I think, would consider reading into the text, but that's not the way that Orthodox Jews think of it, or they thought of it at the time of Christ. It really is something that St. Paul would be adept at. And... Um, uh, therefore, um, we need to, I think, look at these texts in that, that idea. Well, I'm speaking to you in human terms because of the weakness of your nature. Who's he speaking to? Well, it seems he's speaking to Jews and Greeks, but I think here he's really speaking mostly to Jews, uh, that at the time of Christ, uh, Judaism was a much larger, uh, uh, force in the world than it is now. And it's a pretty major force. 
uh, in in the world. Uh, but in terms of the number of people uh, um, who are Jewish, it's uh, um, it, it's it's not as substantial as it was. Ten percent of the Roman Empire was Jewish, and they they were they did not like Roman idolatry. Uh, the Roman government, you know, we always think it was oppressive. Whenever you see Bible movies, there are Roman soldiers marching about everywhere and being mean. I don't think it was really like that because the, there wasn't a large force of Romans uh, occupying the Holy Land. There was just north of there in, in what we would today call Syria. Uh, but there wasn't this large force. I mean, they were a presence, and they collected taxes, and uh, you didn't you didn't flout Roman law. More important, I think, would have been the Roman government that Herod ran. Herod was a collaborator. The Herod family, uh, the Herods were collaborators with the Romans. However, uh, that said, um, I think you have to realize that that. Um, we're very sensitive about inclusivity, even those who think we're not. And we're very careful not to say things that would insult others. Well, terms like Gentile dog got thrown around all the time, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, they were not afraid of, of saying, well, we're better than you are. And, and Jews would say that, Romans would say that. Um, there was real antipathy between uh, the the Jewish culture and the Roman culture. Uh, for instance, the word barbarian, uh, that meant someone who didn't speak Greek. That was a barbarian. In Rome at the time, uh, there was more Greek spoken than, than Latin, possibly. Uh, it was a, a very cosmopolitan city. Uh, and the, the common language of the Roman Empire, at least in the East, which was where the great population centers were, the common language was Greek. Southern France, the common, la the common language was Greek. Southern Italy and Sicily, they were called Great Greece, Magna Grecia. And uh, Greece was the common language spoken there. So um, this idea that the Romans were this, this omnipresence, I don't know that it would flesh out quite the way we see it in the Bible movies. Even the Roman army, I bet together they spoke, a lot of them spoke Greek, sitting around the campfire. It was Greek was the English of the ancient world. Everybody speaks a little English. Uh, not everybody, of course, but in many places. Uh, there are probably more people in China who speak some English than there are in the United States, believe it or not. It's, it's the, the common language. So, that said, um, the, the Jewish community in Rome, which was substantial, it was a, it was a substantial community and exists to this day. Uh, it, 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 uh, is not as substantial now as it was then, but certainly it was, it was quite substantial at the time of Christ. And the voice in my head is pointing out there's some real good restaurants in the Jewish ghetto. Have you ever had, oh, voice in, come live, dear voice in my head. Have you ever had Carciofi alla Giudai? I have, yeah, it's really, really good. Oh, they really are good. That's artichokes fried in the Jewish style. Mm, wonderful. Next time you're in a good Italian restaurant, ask if they have carciofi al giudai. If they're a good restaurant, they will. All right, let's get back to the Bible instead of the menu. So, moving along here, uh, they were a substantial presence, and they were not happy with people claiming to be Jews who were not, especially this issue of circumcision. The Jews had a number of perks uh, given them by the Roman government. They did not have to give military service, for one thing. Uh, 
and they did not have to worship the emperor. And now by worshiping the emperor, what was meant was really, it was sort of more like what we think of as canonization, that, that the emperors were, were considered divine. Well, they were, they were, they were inducted into the pantheon of gods. For instance, uh, somebody saw a comet shortly after Julius Caesar died, and that clearly meant that he had been taken into the into the starry host of gods in heaven. Well, I mean, if that's not evidence, what is? I'm I'm being facetious here. So, uh, you know, the 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 Romans allowed the Jews not to not to. Um, to resist military service, uh, though it, it was uh, it was pretty much a volunteer army, though though there were times where where you could be inducted, but the big one was they did not have to um, uh, pay attention to the imperial cult. And now there are all these Greeks who are claiming to be Jews. Oh, we're the we're we're Israel. We're your brothers because we know the Messiah. They said. Brother Schmother, you're, <laughs> you know, we have these hard-won perks because uh, there were certain things that, that, that uh, you know, one of the reasons that you couldn't have Rome, uh, Jews in military service was on Sabbath, like a camel, they would sit and not move. I don't know if you've ever tried to move a camel that doesn't want to move. They don't move. Not, not that I've tried that a lot. <laughs> Most animals that are beasts of burden like mules, horses, camels. They take one look at me and decide I'm not going anywhere. But again, I digress. So, uh, you know, the, 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 the Jew, you kill me, fine. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing that. Um, when Caligula wanted his statue placed in the temple in Jerusalem, the Jews all just went en masse to the harbor when the ship pulled in and undid the collars of their robes and laid down. And they were saying, cut our throats. The statue's not coming. They would do that. They were amazing that way. And since they were 10% of the empire, this was significant. So they, they had perks, uh, and, and Romans handled them with special treatment. Now you had all these Greeks saying, oh, we're Jews too, isn't it splendid? Uh, yeah, well, we eat pork. We're not circumcised, but we're, we're Israel. No, you're not. That's where the antipathy grew up between these two communities. So uh, he's speaking, St. Paul says here, I speak to you um, anthropinon, humanly, uh, because of the weakness of the flesh, the weakness of your flesh. Uh, uh, you yielded your members uh, to un impurity, to uncleanness. Um, this probably, you know, is being, I would suspect this is being addressed to Greeks. But... Um, then, then there's that phrase that that well, <laughs> I don't know that I understand it all. From lawlessness to lawlessness, it's amazing. Uh, um, it says that um, just as you presented your bodies as slaves to impurity, and to lawlessness for lawlessness. What is it? Lawlessness for lawlessness. Well, let's let's look and see what it says. Hold on, I got to click on a button here. Okay. Oh, and of course, my computer's deciding it doesn't want to go there. But oh, five thousand dollars for a computer, and it can't handle a simple assignment. It can't handle a simple assignment. This is nuts. Well, this this idea of lawlessness—they were without the law, and they had submitted themselves to uncleanness, and that that generally has to do with with. Uh, um, uh, Mm, 
generally that has to do with with uh, with impurity. Uh, that that you have to understand, sex in the Roman world was well, it was it it was just not an issue. I mean, it was it was an itch that you scratched, and and merit, marital fidelity was important in a legal way. You had to know that your kids were your kids for inheritance law, but you know, uh, men men didn't really worry about it that much. Um, I think that it's a very very important under, thing to understand that that sexual behavior in the ancient world, at least in the Roman context, uh, often had nothing to do with, with intimacy, with, with, with affection, human affection. Uh, it was just about, uh, 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 well, what you like. And uh, for, now, now you might want to, I'll, I'll be discreet. You might want to put um, uh, uh, fingers in little ears, uh, but um the 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 noble roman was expected to be um, how to put this the the active partner in a relationship to be the passive partner in a relationship was was wrong it did not matter the gender of the person uh so much uh for us of course uh uh, certain things done to women and to two children are reprehensible, but for Romans, they weren't. Uh, adult intimacies between two men, especially in the upper class, were not, were frowned on. You know, everybody says, "Well, the Romans thought it was okay." Oh no, they didn't. They thought the abuse of children was okay. Uh, now, I, I don't, of course, that's horrible, but that's that was their their sense of intimacy. It was unclean, and so uh, they 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 had given their bodies over as slaves. You know, I talked about that yesterday. And addiction is a slavery, and people think, "Well, I can do what I want to whom I want." That's not slavery, freedom. That's slavery. Uh, but to lawlessness, they gave themselves. To lawlessness for the sake of lawlessness. Uh, I, I, I really think that's kind of clear, that uh, this idea of being without the law, they were without the Torah, which, of course, um, forbade certain things. And I think that they would wonder why the Torah would forbid what is normal. Um, well, we live in a world that's saying the same thing. Uh, uh, that, that, uh, you know, uh, what, what does this have to do with, uh, um, uh, um, you know, wh why should Christianity forbid, uh, these things? Because God made us with a purpose. And such behavior is contrary to that purpose. And we, we think, yeah, amen. We don't think that. Now, again, please forgive me, but I got to go here. Everybody is all upset about the strangeness of the times and men thinking they're women and women thinking they're men and so on. This is nothing new. And we can be rather pious about this and frown on it as Christians. But those things violate the nature of our, our makeup. So does artificial birth control. I'm sorry. 
it 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 frustrates the divine plan and i don't want to think that now i always when i talk about this i always throw in a caveat that you know i i think that we the clergy are far more reprehensible and far more to blame for this crisis than than the world uh the world is not uh, we did not stand up in the 60s and 70s for what was true uh so i think that that we need to to uh uh, fess up to that as clergymen. But these things, St. Paul is saying, it's, it's, they gave themselves over because of lawlessness for the sake of lawlessness. They did not have a law and they did not want a law. Uh, but God gives law. And I, I, I don't know if I'm being clear about this, but God gives law. And though the law of Moses is no longer impinged on us, the law of nature still is. Remember, we had those 613 commandments. 603 of them are either commentary on that law, or some of them are laws that make no sense, just to keep God's people apart from others. And some of them are liturgical laws. Uh, all of them have passed away except the Ten Commandments because these laws reflect the nature of God and the nature of man. Human nature. I'm the Lord your God. We all look for the source of being. The first three commandments are about right relationship to God. The rest are about right relationship to us. Thou shalt not commit adultery. I don't want to be cheated on, so I should not cheat on. Uh, thou shalt not steal. I don't want to be stolen from, so I shouldn't steal. To see the common humanity of people, that's, that's the point of the law. And this is a big theme in the letter to the Romans, that, yeah, they didn't have the law of Moses, but they had the law of nature. The Ten Commandments are built into us. They're, they're the human nature in fullness is, is, is illustrated by the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments reflect the nature of God. God is truth, thou shalt not lie. God is faithfulness, thou shalt not commit adultery. God is the giver of life, thou shalt not kill. And so it is. I would not be killed, so I should not kill. I do not want to be stolen from, I should not steal. I do not want to be lied about, I should not lie or gossip. These reflect the nature of God and the real nature of humanity. And that's St. That's Paul's theme here, that, that the essential law, the Ten Commandments, is, is, is uh, impingent on Greek and Jew alike. So this is his, his reason for us to get along. Very, oh dear, very, very briefly. Um, uh, let's go to the gospel. Uh, I have come to set the earth on fire. How I wish it were already blazing. There's a baptism with which I must be baptized. Oh, he, Jesus got baptized. No, the word baptism is a common Greek word. It means to dunk. There is an immersion with which I must be immersed. And how great is my anguish till it's accomplished. And then he says, do you think I've come to establish peace on the earth? No, but rather division. He's not saying that he wants division, but his presence invariably causes it. And this is the truth. A household of five will be divided, three against two, two against three. He is just recognizing what is, and we need to recognize what is too. That, that if we are faithful to Christ, there are going to be people to whom we're very close, who don't like us simply because we're close to Christ. You know, you've heard the definition of a fanatic. A fanatic is someone who loves Jesus more than you do. Well, we're going to go to a break, and we'll come back, and we'll do the, the, the mass hysteria after uh, we, we, 
we we come back. But uh, let's let's go to a break. You can, we'll open the phones at 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live. Oh dear, Jesus is a friend of mine. Well, he also happens to be my Lord and Savior, but uh, that Jesus is my friend. Oh, I don't know if he's my friend so much as my Lord. Um, um, uh, Jesus does say, you're my friends if you do as I command you. Well, uh, that's a discussion for another day. But, you know, I've been, I'm kind of, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of hard-nosed about some of these things, but I'm not really. I, I don't think I really am. You know, I'm talking about um, how mass is not an entertainment. That's, if if you haven't heard, gotten that out of me, you know, you don't, you're not listening. But I just want to, you know, it, it may seem that my approach to mass is pretty grim. I, I Maybe it is, but I don't think so. Have you ever considered that... Love is what you do when you don't feel like it. Love is what you do when you don't feel like it. We are such romantics. We Americans like to think that we're hard-nosed realists. We're not. We're the most romantic people in the world. Problems have to be solved in a half-hour sitcom or, at worst, in a two-hour movie. Um, we love the good happy ending and the sappy song, especially us older, you know, when we saw those movies made in the 50s and 60s, the 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 uh, the happy ending was, of course, you know, required. So we're, we're romantics, and we've influenced the liturgy to make it romantic, and it's not. It It's Calvary. There was nothing nice about Calvary. What Jesus says in the gospel, I have a baptism with which I want to be baptized and what anguish I have until it is accomplished. Uh, Jesus, uh, Calvary, going toward Calvary was anguish for the Lord. Love is what you do when you don't feel like it. You get out of bed at four in the morning so you can be at work by six uh, and you put your cold feet on the floor. Do you feel like it? No, you do it because you love the family for which you are going to work to provide. Love is what you do when you don't feel like it. And I think that we have become very, very um, cavalier about the idea of Sunday obligation. And Sunday obligation is a very important concept. Well, you shouldn't have to go to Mass. You should want to go to Mass. No, you should have to go to Mass. You should have to go to Mass. If you want to go to Mass and you like Mass, all the more, but on the day you wake up and feel, I just don't feel like going. Well, that's when that's when going is love. You understand what I mean? Love is what you do when you don't feel like doing it. Sometimes you feel like it, but sometimes you don't. I have a joke. Get the laugh track ready. I have a joke. Uh, this guy goes home to visit his parents on a weekend, and um, he's staying over, and Sunday morning, his mother comes into his room and wakes him and says, Get up, we're going to church. And the guy says, I'm not going. 
Well, this is what I mean you're not going. I don't like them, they don't like me, and it's boring. Give me one good reason I should go. You're the pastor. Now get up, put your clothes on, and we're going. <laughs> there. Okay, laugh track. <laughs> the cardinal who will remain nameless was, he was, just looked so down. And I said, Your Eminence, we were getting ready to process up the aisle at some grand celebration. I said, Your Eminence, can I tell you a joke? I think that everyone should, should tell bishops jokes because... Bishops have a rough job. I told him the joke. He roared. He snickered all the way up the aisle. I, I, I hope, I hope it, it, it was a good thing. All right, let us, let us. Oh, I gotta, I gotta explain something. Let's go to letters. Let's go to letters. All right, I got a couple letters, and I got one letter that that uh, I want to explain. Um, if I can find, oh, good grief! Don't tell me. Yeah, that computer has decided to turn off. <sighs> Why is it so consistently that I can't manage my computers? This, uh, oh, that sort of went on. Well, I can, I can explain this, this while I try to get back into my computer. That, um, the, uh, someone wrote in saying there's an irritating delay. When I talk to callers, there's a delay and I'm stepping on them. They're stepping on me. I am actually doing this show from a, a, a bunker somewhere south of the Cheddar Curtain. And so it's remote. I sometimes am in the studio, but I am often remote. And somehow the remoteness uh, of, of my situation uh, makes it very difficult to, um, to get, um, uh, to get the, the it just the, the 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 connection is now the timing that's the word i'm looking for so that's what's going on if people wonder why i'm talking when you're talking or you're talking when i'm talking it's because of the computer but we're working on it we're definitely working on it all right let us uh let us go to uh letters did we have the letter thing yet i don't know if we have the letter thing yet. there we go oh we did we'll do it again all right um now, um, the, the, uh, let me scroll to the bottom of the letters. Okay. All right. Okay. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Okay. Hi, Father. Oh, I, 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 I did that one yesterday. That's about St. Paul's opinions. And, uh, so we won't do that one again today. Okay. This one is, um, uh, from, um, this one is from Judy, I believe. Heard a replay of a program on Saturday where a man asked, how could they know when it would be appropriate for her to receive the Eucharist? Your disclosure on people with Downs was, was right on. One day, my husband and I were sitting with our daughter in church, and the homily was on forgiving 70 times. Uh, my husband leaned over and nodded toward our daughter and whispered, she's the only person I know who can actually do that. And it's true. When we were running a group, uh, home for people, of people with Down syndrome, one young man was from an unchurched family and his parents said it was fine if he went with us. And he was fascinated with the liturgy. He's mostly nonverbal, but when a child was baptized on Sunday, he pointed to himself and said, me. I found an excellent booklet for people with intellectual disabilities and permission from his parents. It was then that I realized how smart he really was. When the day came for his baptism, confirmation and reception of the Eucharist, our whole community was there. Father asked if it was desire, his desire to be baptized and confirmed. He said loudly, awesome. Father said, that's good enough for me. So, uh, 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 that's a beautiful story. And, you know, we are just so... Uh, 
fixed on 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 kind of an external perfection. I remember the story of I've told you about her, Corrie Ten Boom. She was a Dutch clock repair woman who smuggled Jews out of Germany and uh, spent a long, uh, terrible couple of years. I think it was a couple of years in a concentration camp and survived, even though she was up in years. Well. Um, the um she had a class full of 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 people young people with down syndrome uh a bible class and she would lead these children on a walk when she had them and she had them all on strings so she didn't lose anyone and she's walking her kids through the through the park and a, a nazi soldier says why are you doing this and she says what do you mean she says they can't learn anything they can they're not they're they're defective and she just was amazed she said oh no they're more capable of love than you and I are. So, you know, we forget, you know, we, we so want to live in a world of the head. And the head is very important. The head and the heart are not unconnected. You know, um, I think that's important to understand. That, um, so thanks for that, that letter. All right, let's see. This one is from, I believe it's uh, Mary. On the air, the 11th of October, I heard these 10 Decalogues from John Paul XXIII, and I was so deeply moved by them, I shared them with my sister, who's no longer a member of the Catholic faith. She responded back to me, no, we were not. We were created at fellowship with God and bring him glory. Needless to say, I went through the Decalogue, and I can only think she was responding to the ninth. A commandment, or the, or the ninth of these, or the, the concluding pair. I didn't respond back to her. Uh, could you ascertain what she meant by that comment? Um, well, it's, I hope this is not confusing you. Ah, nothing could confuse me more than I am. But no, the the uh, um, the idea that we were created uh, uh, to have fellowship with God and bring Him glory. You know, that really does sound like Saint Irenaeus of of Lyon, who wrote about. Uh, 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 who wrote in the, around the year 200s that um, the glory of God uh, is man fully alive. You know, man was created for the glory of God and the glory of God is man fully alive. There's a mutuality to this um, that we really are um, integ in, in, integrally integrally uh, um, um, wrapped up in the mystery of God that uh, was it St. Augustine said our hearts are incomplete unless uh, uh, unless um, unless they our hearts are are, are, are are do not rest unless they rest in in thee so um, that that you can look that up on the list there's a, a list of of uh, uh, of uh, that I believe Saint John Paul or Saint uh, John the Twenty Third made uh, as part of examination of conscience. So uh, let's see the the ninth uh, uh, is is only for today. I will firmly believe, despite appearances, the good providence of God cares for me, as no one else who exists in this world. Um, that well, you know, God is infinite. If that's if that's one of those. Uh, statements to which uh, this person took exception god's love is infinite and uh, therefore he can treat every human being on earth as if they were the only people on earth uh, so he doesn't his love is not parceled out because it's infinite so i don't know if that helps or not but i think it's still true all right let's go see here we this is from uh, 
let's see what how are we doing time wise uh um <laughs> the voice manager said plenty of time not the way i do it believe me i can waste time like nobody's business okay 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 um Dear Father, I met a wonderful woman. We are both strong in our Catholic faith. A wonderful woman, unfortunately, uh, had an operation to make her infertile. I'm not going to go into that. I know the Catholic faith says you must be open to life. It hurts my heart when I think about this situation. Regardless of age, I'm open to life. Um, uh, you, She did this. If she has repented of it, uh, you still may marry. You know, you might, uh, it is possible to have that operation undone, but it is very difficult. Um, this does not preclude uh, a marriage. Uh, that that if, if she has repented of it and wants to live in a state of grace, who knows what God will do with that marriage. That, that does not necessarily mean that you cannot be married. Go to your pastor and uh, uh, talk to him about it. So, all right, with that said, let us, now, if I am wrong on that, I very much want to be corrected, but I, that is what I was taught, that that if a person, um, well, I might as well use the, the phrase, uh, has her tubes tied, or a man, and, and they uh, repent of it and are in a state of grace, if it's a genuine repentance and they're in a state of grace, they are free to marry. So let me know if, if someone knows better than that, I would certainly be grateful to hear. All right, let's go to a break. We'll come back with a word of the day and you can call in and I will try to do my best not to step on anybody. That would hurt. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Oh, don't fence me in. <laughs> I'll stay quietly on the ranch. Give me a rocking chair. All right. Um, I, I One more letter here that I got to answer. Father, I wanted to express... <laughs> oh, oh, yes, the voice of mine saying, don't forget all souls. When does the novena start? I'd have to pull that up. November 2nd, we're doing a novena for the holy souls, the souls in purgatory. And I, I think that, that that is a very, very important teaching in the, of the church that we've kind of forgotten, to pray for the souls in purgatory. I mean, especially to pray for those, as we say in the rosary, of most need of thy mercy. If you're saying the rosary, you're praying for the holy souls, and uh, uh, God bless you. But we really need to consciously and... Uh, and uh, faithfully pray for the holy souls i got a letter i wanted to express my disagreement when a canter uses a microphone i think it's a good thing i prefer this i think that more people are encouraged to sing because the people in the congregation are less scared about their own voices being heard i prefer it well you may be right but in my experience the louder the canter you can have a canter but the canter needs to be able to step away from the microphone and not dominate the the, the situation at least that's my experience as a pastor that uh the louder i sing in the microphone the louder the cantor sings the quieter people are and uh you know i think that we 
you know, I would if I was a cantor I, or a pastor with a cantor, I would experiment with that idea, see if it worked. It would take a little time for people to get used to. But there you go. Well, let's go to phone calls. Oh, the word of the day. I forgot the word of the day. The word of the day is sin because St. Paul. Oh, boing. Yeah, that's right. The gong. Ow. Uh, the, the word of the day is sin. The word is hamartia, which literally means to miss the target. St. Paul says in his, I believe, the first letter of the Corinthians, he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the definition of sin. It means it's a Greek word that comes from sports, and it's the same in Hebrew, uh, 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 it means to miss the target. If a, a missile goes awry and lands in the drink, they would say, "Oh, it's sinned." If a, if a, if an ancient Greek was shooting arrows at a target, and he missed the target. Say, "Oh, I sinned." It was again that common word. It meant to miss the target. And so often we go to confession and say, "Bless me, Father, for I've sinned," and I confess the same old sins. Well. It means to fail to hit the target. If you say to yourself, not in the confessional, stick to the words that you were taught, but as you prepare yourself for confession, realize what the word sin means. It means failure. Failure to hit the plan. You know, God's got a plan for your life, that trite old saying, well, it's true, and I fall short of that plan. I miss the target of my life. And and if I say to myself, preparing for confession, uh, where have I failed in my life? Oh, gosh. When I look at it that way, I've got a list you wouldn't believe. Where have I failed? So, the word sin, hamartia, to miss the mark, to miss the target. And um, I don't know about you, but <laughs> I really hit the target. All right, now let's go to phone calls. The sin is ringing. Mark from California, are you with me? Just go straight into your question. I won't step on you. Mark, we're going to Tim from Florida. Tim, just go into the question. I won't try to step on you. How is an Orthodox Catholic supposed to maintain their tranquility in today's church? And when heresy is thrown in our faces, when and how do we stand up for the faith? Ah, uh, all right. One maintains one's tranquility in the face of the silliness that often presents itself by meditating on 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, the 9th verse, which says, We know in part, we prophesy in part. I would like to think of myself as orthodox, and Lord knows I try, but I am frequently wrong in my understanding of theology. And I studied it my whole life, and I'm frequently wrong in my interpretation of Scripture. That's, you know, people say, oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't badmouth yourself. Yes, I should, because I know in part, and I prophesy in part, that, that no one on the face of this earth is 100% orthodox. And so when I realize that, I have to realize uh, that, that I'm wrong, you're wrong, we're all wrong together. Now, some are wronger than others, and... You know, then also in the letter uh, of, oh gosh, is it, see, I don't know which is, it's in Peter or James, see, and I've studied this my whole life. Uh, the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. No matter how angry I get about something, I'm not going to, to, to help another person. It's not going to work God's purpose. Um, I, I think it's important to understand that. And uh, how do we react? We react with, with, uh, with kindness. You know, to those people who are unorthodox, all of my anger is not going to help. It's just not going to help. Uh, 
that that what I need to do is I I need to make myself uh, such an example of what the faithful Catholic life is about that people are going to want it. Uh, if I have to argue with somebody about theology, I've already lost. If they say to me, what's so special about you that you're so happy and that you're so kind and that you're so good? If they see us, remember, you and I are the only Bibles that some people are ever going to read. And I think it's very important that we have that, that awareness and that we, we strive every day for greater and greater uh, appreciation of the truth. Uh, but with an attitude of humility, realizing, as St. Augustine did, that we'll never get it all. You must have heard the story about St. Augustine. He's walking by the, the beach, and there's a little boy digging a hole in the sand, and uh, he'd get his clay pot, and he'd run over and get water from the Mediterranean, pour it in the, the hole, and then the hole would, of course, collapse. He'd dig the hole again, then run back. St. Augustine watched him running back and forth, and he said to the little boy, what are you doing? He said, I'm going to put the, the ocean in my hole in the sand. And he says, you're never going to do it, because... You know, you're, the, the hole in the sand is too little, and and uh, uh, it collapses every time you put water in it. The water just seeps out. And the little boy looked at him and said, And so you, Augustine, will never put the whole truth of God in your little mind, and disappeared. It was an angel. And that same angel needs to appear to me frequently. I will never be able to embrace the fullness of the truth of God, but I can humbly and and faithfully try to... to uh, uh, to uh, increase it, and I need to go to places uh, as much as possible where that truth is preached. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, I, if I'm really good at being attractive in the sense of the gospel, maybe I need to go to a place that's full of heresy, <laughs> egregious heresy. So I don't know if that helps, but but we really have to approach orthodoxy with real humility. Orthodoxy is, you know, if, if you have been given a clear vision of the tradition of the church, this is a great gift. And you should look at it as a great gift in these troubled times and try to share that with other people. So, and you can also tell them, listen to Relevant Radio. Well, thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. Who have we got next? Your voice in my head. Jeff from San Marcos. Just ask your question. I won't step on you. All right. Hi, Simon. Well, yeah. Uh, buddy, you don't uh, rightly divide the word of truth. You failed. And uh, uh, Romans chapter three says, "But now." Oh, you're in that. You're now. in that rightly divided bunch. You're in that rightly now, divided bunch. Divided? That. Oh, I've 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 run into you guys before. That that you are the only guys to whom God has spoken. So you've got nothing to say to me. I got nothing to say to you. Who's next? Voice in my head. Patricia from Florida. Just ask your question, and we'll move on. I was going to ask about uh, the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized, that's when he received the Holy Spirit? No. <laughs> Jesus always had the Holy Spirit living in him. That's when the Holy Spirit was manifested to John and perhaps to some others. Uh, the, when did the disciples receive the Holy Spirit? On Easter Sunday, when Jesus said, Receive the Holy Spirit whose sins you forgive are forgiven. So what did they receive on Pentecost? They received the outward manifestation of the indwelling Spirit. Um, that's, that's, we don't think of it like that. Uh, we receive the Holy Spirit numerous times in our life, but some are to sanctify us others are to to propel us into the work that we have for ministry so that's jesus uh, jesus uh, didn't receive the holy spirit 
<laughs> in a sense, John and anyone else who was privileged to that vision, if anyone else, they they did receive uh, that manifestation. Does that help? Yes, thank you, Father. Well, God bless you, and thanks for calling. Who have we got now, dear voice in my head? Jason from Waukesha, what is your question? As America's pastor, I figured you could answer this <laughs> the best way. The sorrowful, I'm sorry, the joyful mysteries have both the presentation at the temple and the uh, and the finding of Jesus at the temple. But if you look at the seven sorrows of Mary, uh, the uh, finding of Jesus in the temple is also a sorrow. So I was wondering if you could please help me figure out the joyful versus the sorrowful thing when you're talking about the same mystery. The way I would look at it is that finding him was joyful, but being reminded that he, of his destiny, I think that must have been sorrowful. That that she found him, and oh, the joy that must have filled her heart. But then he said, I had to be in my father's house, reminded her that, oh yeah, he's been born not for pleasure or for power or for riches, but he's been born. He was born as a sacrifice. Jesus reminded her of who he was, and that a sword would pierce her heart. So, that finding the temple, I think, is most appropriately both joyful and sorrowful. Hope that helps. Thank you. God bless. Thanks. Who have we got now, dear voice in my head? Lorraine in Chicago. What is your question for me? Hello. Well, oh, is not a question. <laughs> we, <laughs> Maria, Maria. Uh, Maria, are you with us? What is your question for me? Yes. The the clarification of the three Marys in the Bible. There's uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary Martha's sister, and and uh, I don't know who the other Mary was. And the fact that Mary Magdalene was not the prostitute that is led to believe. Oh, this is difficult. This is a very difficult question because, you see, there were lots of people in the New Testament named Mary. Uh, there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary from a Galilean village, Mary of Bethany, Mary of Clophis, Mary, mother of James, uh, Mary, mother of John Mark, and uh, Mary of Rome. Um, and then there was uh, Mary uh, Salome. There's about 10 Marys. I don't know if you've ever known any Irish people, but you got Mary Bridget, Mary Catherine, Mary Francis, Mary. It was a similar thing. That was the most common name. So there's lots of Marys. And the Mary Magdalene was a woman from whom Jesus had cast seven demons. And then there was a woman who washed Jesus' feet. Uh, and and uh, this, this Mary that washed Jesus' feet, uh, um, the, uh, um, she would have been... Um, uh, they, I don't think they named her, actually. I'd, I'd have to look at the text. But St. Gregory the Great, <laughs> in the 500s, sort of conflated uh, three Marys. And uh, they may have been the same Mary, but Mary Magdalene, uh, the Scripture never calls her a, a, a woman of, of ill repute. Um, but uh, um, she did have seven demons cast out of her. So that's where that tradition comes from. I don't know if that helps explain it, but uh, it gets very confusing. When you've got uh, all sorts of 
Mary's um, uh, um, in the Bible. It just was such a common name. So, but hey, what are you going to do? I wanted to talk a little bit of something. I was a little more brusque with someone today than I usually am, but they are exactly the opposite of what I was talking about. You know, somebody called in about orthodoxy, and I, I think orthodoxy is is it's very important. Uh, however, we really need to understand that in our quest for truth, that we are always going to get it wrong, at least in part. That all, all of us, St. Paul says, prophesy and know in part. And that's very important. And, and I, I really mean that. Then someone called in and said, you've messed up. You don't do the word rightly divided. The word rightly divided is, I, I believe, uh, a, a Christian movement, a movement within Protestantism. Let me look it up here. Just word rightly divided. I remember I used to love to listen to this this program uh, um, uh, um, that was this fellow who was a member of a church that was the word rightly divided. And, um, well, no one was right. And in fact, his, his little church, they didn't baptize because the Bible never strictly says to baptize in water. It says to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To be immersed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit doesn't say what to be immersed in. But we Catholics, we have been doing this since the time of Jesus, and Jesus meant water. The earliest witnesses said, yeah, it was water. And it can be water in which you're immersed. It can be water that is poured. It can be water that is sprinkled. That's the Didache. It was written possibly in the first century. So we have this continuous interpretation, which helps us to really divide the word rightly. But people look at the text and they just think, well, that's what it says. I'm right. You're wrong. That's not what we're about. That's a Gnosticism. One is not saved by correct theology, though correct theology is very, very important. One is saved by grace through faith. In other words, by what God gives and trusting him to give what is best for us. And speaking of getting what is best for us, Drew is coming up. You can't do better. <laughs> 